Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Long may she reign. Presented to you by Aidan Fitzgerald. Oh, that that was an especially good one today. Afternoon, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the Long May She Rain podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. And wasn't that just a great pop opening? Felt really good about that one today. Very nice. Anyway, I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, I'm, you know, falling apart because it's final season and I've got uh, several exams to uh, study for, uh, none of which I feel like I'm going to pass. But, you know, I probably will. I just like to, you know, get down on myself. But it's it's okay. Uh, speaking of uh, finals and uh, me having to move back home, uh, next times episode is gonna be out like a week late because like I've gotta you know pack up my whole dormitory and like drive 14 hours to get home uh so that's gonna be out a little late next time very sorry but I still hope you guys are excited for the next episode because we've got a really great topic coming up that I'm very excited about uh speaking of which guess who like threw her back out trying to move some stuff preliminarily to her grandma's house so she could move out I did, because my grandma lost her dolly, so I had to uh, move things by my own power, and I am a a small weakling. Um, I can't carry anything heavy, and now I feel like I I ran a very long time, (laughs) but I didn't. I'm just just weak, and uh, actually now I can't move anything out of my room because the uh, elevator in my building isn't working right now, so I'm like, all my stuff is trapped on the second floor, even though I I bought a dolly. Actually, my mom bought the dolly, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Let's just hope my stuff can escape the second floor. Um, anyway, what else? Oh, I think I should update you guys on uh, my white boy of the month crushes because that's important. <laughs> um, have you guys been watching Milo Mannheim recently? Because I have. Uh, Disney kid, very cute, very tall. Uh has W Riz. That man has chemistry with everyone. He he just came out with, uh, he's on School Spirits right now. He is on Prom Pact, and he was just on the second season of uh, Doogie Kamaloha MD, which, like, obsessed with him. Uh, love him. Anyway, you guys aren't here to hear anything personal about me, but today we are talking about Marie Pavlovna the Elder, Grand Duchess of Russia. Now, I realized when I was about to start recording for this episode that it's been so long since I read uh, the script for uh, Marie Pavlovna the Elder that I actually, like, forgot a whole bunch about her. Like, totally, when I was writing the description for this episode, I was like, what'd she do again? I can't remember. That's how long it's been since I wrote this episode. But uh, having uh, reread her Wikipedia page to uh, remind me what I'm talking about for this episode, Marie was very, very cool. She was sophisticated and so pretty and just this awesome Grand Duchess of Russia. And I can't wait to talk about her with you guys. All right, let's get into it.
Okay, so Marie Pavlovna the Elder was originally born as Marie of Mecklenburg Schwerin uh, on May 14th, 1854 at Lud- Oh god, no. First bad pronunciation of the episode. Ludwigslust Palace in the Grand Duchy of Mecklenburg-Schwerin to Grand Duke Francis II of Mecklenburg-Schwerin and Princess Augusta Rus of... Oh, I can't pronounce that. That's really German. Anyway, her mom was named Augusta. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, with her being born on May 14th, that makes her a Taurus, which is pretty crazy because we just did an episode uh, many, many weeks ago about Empress Zedaya II, who was also a Taurus and alive around the same time as Murray, which is really cool. Now, as mentioned before, Tauruses are independent and stubborn, which makes sense. Their symbol is literally a bull. Also, I believe they're Earth signs, too. Um, and one thing that's like part of you know the Taurus identity that I didn't include with Queen Z because I didn't really think it fit her very much is that Tauruses are like pleasure seekers like these guys seek out thrills whether this is like a party or a hobby or like you know anything that'll make them you know feel happy they'll do it which I think fits Marie very well she was a very social person very gregarious a complete social butterfly she loved parties and she loved gambling so uh her being a Taurus tracks well from what I've heard about her Okay, let's talk about Marie's parents, starting with her mom, Augusta. Now, Marie's mom was the daughter of a minor German prince from Saxony, which is like in eastern Germany. And while I wasn't able to find much info on what she was like, um, I didn't find anything about her that said anyone in the Grand Duchy, like, hated her or that she and her husband hated each other. In fact, they had six kids together, so I assume their marriage was, like, at least, like, moderately happy. Um, unfortunately, Marie would never get the chance to know her mother as she died tragically when Marie was eight, which was a shock to the court because it was pretty sudden, and she was only, like, 39 when she died. Now, some people blamed uh, bronchial problems associated with heart disease, and some have even suspected Augusta died of tuberculosis, which was pretty rampant in Europe at the time. Now, as for Marie's dad, he was born into the Grand Duchy of Mecklenburg-Schwerin and became Grand Duke when his father died in 1842. Uh, We also don't know that much about Duke Francis, but here's what I can tell you. Uh, Francis was educated privately as a kid, but when his great-grandfather died and he moved up in the line of, uh, I suppose, ducal succession, he was sent to the Blockman Institute in Dresden before going to the University of Bonn to get an education. Now, I don't know what grades he got in school, but he got a world-class education, so I assume he was pretty cultured, and I'm sure that must have rubbed off on Marie when tackling her own education. Now, after his wife de- wife's death, Papa Francis married two more times, uh, first to Princess Anna of Hessen by Rhine, who died of a fever after giving birth to Marie's uh, first half-sibling. Um, after Anna died, uh, Papa Francis married uh, Princess Marie of Schwarzburg, Roldenstadt, I think, (laughs) uh, who gave Marie two new half-sisters and two new half-brothers. Now, one of Marie's half-brothers, the youngest, Henry, would go on to marry the first queen of the Netherlands, Queen Wilhelmina, which, oh, I love Queen Wilhelmina. I gotta do an episode on her soon. I love her. And also be the father of Queen Juliana of the Netherlands, which is a cool connection I didn't know about. I didn't know Marie was uh, uh, partially related to the Dutch royal family. Very cool. Also, um, Speaking on Marie and her dad's relationship, I doubt Marie would have seen her dad entirely too much as he was a military guy and was very often away, you know, fighting whatever war was going on at the time. 
Um, actually, during the second uh, Schwelzlig uh, War, Schwelzlig. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Francis served on uh, the staff of uh, Friedrich Graf von Krangel because uh, he refused a command to directly fight against the forces of King Christian IX of Denmark as they were like bros. So, like, cool, Francis. Um, during the Austro Prussian War, he commanded the troops that op- occupied Leipzig and laid siege to Nuremberg. Uh, he also took part in the Franco-Prussian War. There's a lot of Prussian wars, during which he made he was made Governor General of Reims and commanded the German forces laying siege to Toul. He also defended the Prussian forces during the siege of Paris from uh, attack by the Army of the Loire. Uh, he also defeated French forces at the battles of Brandeleronde and <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. Bogensee. Please don't make fun of me, guys. I swear to God, I do practice this stuff, and it just, oh, I can't pronounce anything. Do I even speak, really? Yeah, I don't know. Now, basically, what I'm getting at is his military career was pretty impressive, and even though he wasn't always there for his children, from what I've read, he seems to have really adored his giant brood of kids. Um... When Marie was born, she was actually baptized about a month or so later at this very bougie-sounding uh, place called uh, the Golden Hall, and was later sent to the family's main estate, Schwarn Castle, where she would spend most of her childhood. Now, for most of her childhood, she was raised by her governess, Clara von Schreuter, who was mainly responsible for Marie's education, which, uh, speaking of education, <laughs> Marie's education was fucking superb. She uh, started lessons at age six and was taught to read and write in German, English, and French. She was also taught world history, geography, music, dancing. Also, apparently, she was a fucking killer piano player. Um, and in her childhood, she was also close to her uh, youngest full brother, Johan, who, um, Everett was very athletic as a kid, so it must it must have been like a time and a half from Marie trying to keep up with her younger brother. Trust me, I I know my brother was once a ball of energy that liked to be outside, and playing with him used to be the most exhausting part of my six year old life. So I can only imagine how Marie felt with you know a little jumpy brother named Johan. Um, Marie was also very close with her her grandmother and her dad's side, uh, Princess Alexandrine of Prussia. Uh, they were so close that Marie went to go see her three times a week, you know, just to hang out. And, sorry, excuse me. Uh, Alexandrine kind of acted like a surrogate mother to her and her brothers, which is really sweet because, you know, it's I'm sure it was tough on all of them to lose uh, their mom when they were all so young. Now, as for uh, Marie's parents, it's pretty much uh, A-pluses for most of the people who met her. Uh, since she lived well into the age of photography, we are lucky to have bucket loads of pictures of her. And she is pretty much the typical Victorian beauty. Uh, however, she was considered by Victorian beauty standards to actually be curvy for the time, but that didn't stop her from wearing whatever the fuck she wanted. Uh-uh. Uh, also, some people noted that her nose had a tendency towards what they called pugginess which basically means her nose was like really flat which i i don't get like i've looked at like a ton of pictures of her and like i don't see it but maybe i just don't understand and anyway um also how people describe her personality very much reminds me of how people described like mary queen of scots if you guys remember from that episode mary queen of scots was usually pretty popular because of you know her good looks sophistication overall kindness which is kind of like the same vibe i'm getting from reading about marie it's it's just like every uh description of her i read from like you know uh in-laws and family members just like go on and on and 
on about how cultured she is and how smart and how pretty. So safe to say she was life of the party, which attracted a lot of a lot of romantic attention her way as suitors started lining up for her hand. Now, as Marie grew into a young woman, many princes and dukes were interested in marrying her, such as Prince Arthur, son of Queen Victoria, who was actually sent to Germany to just, you know, go bride shopping. Uh, while these two never got married, Arthur found her to be very pretty, but ended up falling for Marie's second cousin, so probably wasn't meant to be anyway. Um, eventually, Marie did get engaged to a, a guy named George Albert, Prince of something very German that I also can't pronounce. Uh, he was also 20 years older than her, and honestly not that good looking. So my guess is is that her father probably had this arranged. Uh, however, on a trip to Berlin with her father to watch military maneuvers, she saw a boy across the room. And that boy was Grand Duke Vladimir Alexandrovich of Russia. And both of them fell head over heels from one another. Immediately, Marie was like, I've got to dump that old guy. <laughs> Vladimir is where it's at. So she immediately broke off her engagement with George Albert so that she can marry Vladimir. Now, Vladimir constantly wrote of how he thought Marie was so beautiful and that she had these wonderfully expressive eyes and that he said, and I quote, I liked Duchess Marie very much from uh, our first meeting. Now, all seemed to be going very well until, unfortunately, religion came in to ruin the party. Now, Marie was traditionally raised Lutheran, while Vladimir was raised Russian Orthodox. Now, usually anyone who wants to marry into the Russian royal family was expected to convert to Russian Orthodoxy, but Marie didn't want to. She was a very, very proud Lutheran, and unfortunately, this uh, refusal to convert on her part slowed down their engagement as neither side was willing to budge on the issue. Finally, in 1874, Marie was told that she wouldn't have to convert and was free to marry Vladimir, but Vladimir lost his right to the Russian throne, which was upsetting f uh, for him, but he was also a third son and, like, had nephews who would, like, eventually succeed his brother, so it's not like he really had a chance at being czar anyway, so it's, like, not really, you know, really big deal that he lost his right to the throne, but, like, he still had his, his like, titles, and, like, no one was, like, shunning her, him or anything. He just couldn't succeed to the throne, you know. Now that the engagement is set, it's time for Marie to rock up to Russia with her wedding posse. Now, Marie, her two full brothers, her father and her stepmother, arrived in St. Peter's, Petersburg for the wedding in late August of 1874. Thank God they didn't go in the winter. Um, the wedding was held in uh, the chapel, the beautiful Winter Palace, and Marie wore a gorgeous silver wedding dress embroidered with flowers and a diamond tiara on her head, sleigh. <laughs> she walked, uh, was walked down the aisle by her father, and her brothers held a small Russian-style crown over her head as she officially became a Russian Grand Duchess. Now, it's traditional for new, new members of the Russian royal family to either change their name entirely or adopt a Russian middle name. Now, some, like Alexandra Fyodorovna, chose their middle names based on the church they were married at, but Marie chose her Russian middle name based on her own Russian ancestry. Now, Marie was actually a great-great-granddaughter of Paul I of Russia, which also makes her a direct descendant of Catherine the Great. Double slay. Now, Marie wanted to honor her Russian heritage and decided to take the middle name Pavlovna to represent her descent from Russian royalty. She was officially known as Her Imperial Highness Grand Duchess Marie Pavlovna of Russia. Now, she and her husband Vladimir settled in 
to the Vladimir Palace on the Neva River. They also owned a villa in Tarsko Selo for private family use. Triple slay. Now, before we talk about Marie and Vlad's family life, let's get to know Vlad a little bit more personally because he's actually a really interesting dude. Uh, Vlad was born the third son of Alexander II of Russia and Marie of Hesse and by Rhine, and he grew up to be an incredibly ambitious but sophisticated member of the Russian royal family. Now, his relationship with his brother, the future Alexander III, was cold to say the least uh you know vlad was always under the impression that he would make a better emperor than his older brother so as you would expect they didn't really have the best relationship when your brother is like kind of mildly interested in stealing your throne um vlad was also a notorious traveler and a big extrovert who loved arts and parties and was also a little bit of a playboy but he had settled down with that when he met marie um in 1867, Grand Duke Vladimir was named Honorary President of the Russian Ethnographic Society. Um, excuse me. Uh, that same year, he was accompanied, uh, sorry, he accompanied his father and his brother Alexander to the World Fair in Paris, where uh, it wasn't a great trip. A Polish nationalist actually, like, shot their dad, which, like, I'm sure really sucked when you're on vacation in Paris and your dad gets shot. Um... <laughs> In 1871, he visited uh, the country of Georgina, Georgia, not Georgia. <laughs> he was also in Chechnya and Dresden with his uh, father and brothers. They did a lot of traveling together. Um, in 1872, he accompanied his father to Vienna at the reunion of the three emperors, which was basically a whole event where uh, the Russian emperor, the emperor of Germany, and the emperor of Austria all like had like a little meet and greet in Vienna, which sounds fun. Uh, Vlad was also a wonderful painter. He kept a very nice book collection. And whenever he had a meal he liked while traveling, he made sure to get the recipe from, like, whoever made it for him so he could try it. He adored food and just, like, loved to make comments on it and try cooking for himself, which, like, I can't imagine, well, like, any, any royal person, like, cooking for themselves. But, like, he totally did that. He loved food so much. Now, all in all, Vlad was, honestly, I was just thinking about, it. Vlad is kind of like the Princess Margaret of the Russian royal family. You guys see it? Because I see it. I don't think there could have been any better person on the planet for Marie to marry. I mean, they just, like, matched each other's energy so fucking well. They were both ambitious, they loved culture, the arts, and both loved hosting a good party. Slay. Now, very quickly after Marie and Vlad got married, they started popping out kids like it was a contest or something. Uh, first, they had uh, Alexander, born a year after the wedding. Then, uh, I think it's Cyril. I think that's how you pronounce that. It's K-I-R-I-L-L. -L. I imagine that's Carol or Cyril, something like that. Then Andre, uh, then Boris, and last but not least, their only daughter, Elena, was born in 1882. Now, from what I've read, Marie seems like she was a pretty good mom and loved her children a lot, but unfortunately, tragedy hit the family very early when Marie's oldest son, Alexander, died at the age of two, when unfortunately, the poor little guy got pneumonia. Mm. Uh, Marie's brother-in-law, Alexander III, wrote of the tragedy in his diary. This is what he said. In the last few days, he contracted pneumonia, and he finally died of heart paralysis. We went to Vladimir and Mishin straight away and found them together with Mama, and the little darling was lying on his mother's lap as if he was asleep. It is impossible to describe the pain at the sight of my poor brother and his wife. 
that's so nice of Alexander. You see, you know, Vladimir might have been a bit of an asshole to Alexander, but Alexander was a good brother to Vladimir when it counted, even if he was mad at him. That's so fucking sweet. Oh. Now, one thing I need to note about the Russian court in Marie's time is that it was a little intense. Um, I mean, Marie's father-in-law, Alexander II, was, as you've already heard, uh, dodging assassination attempts around the clock. And it was actually a wonder he lived so long. Um, as mentioned before, he was once shot at the World Fair, but survived. Uh, now, despite Alexander's efforts to create a more liberal Russia, some did not think he was going far enough. Like, they were like, yeah, cool, you've freed us from this, but, like, you could do it more. <laughs> now, uh, many countries under Russia's control were also having independence movements, which created a really big uptick in assassination attempts, which, you know, I get from, like, the independence side, but the people who tried to kill Al Alexander, who, like, didn't think he went far enough, are, like, kind of stupid. Um, one of the largest ass assassination attempts that happened, of which uh, Marie was present at, was the bombing of the Winter Palace in 1880. Now, the only reason the main members of the Russian royal family avoided death was that Alexander II was late to dinner. Um, he had actually come in to check in on one of Marie's sons who had the flu. So when the bomb went off in the dining room, no one was there. So, like, no one was directly hurt. But most of the family had to be saved uh, from the rubble of what was left of that part of the Winter Palace. Um, Marie was actually really, really close with her father-in-law, Alexander II. And she really appreciated his kindness and warmth towards her uh, when she joined the family. Because some members of the family were a little cold to her. As well as him being, like, a really devoted grandfather to her children. Like, Alexander II loved all his grandchildren. Slay. <laughs> um, however, she did end up pissing him off at one point uh, when she criticized the character of his second wife, who she felt was influencing the emperor too much with bad ideas. Her words, not mine. Now, uh, eventually, Alexander II's uh, assassination luck ran out, and he was eventually killed in one of the many assassination attempts on his life. Now, Marie's brother-in-law, Alexander III, became emperor, and her relationship with him and his wife was basically the opposite of love and affection. Uh, Marie's sister-in-law was born as Dagmar, the princess of Denmark, and Dagmar hated that Marie was German. But that wasn't the only reason for the hate. It wasn't just the fact that Marie was German. On many occasions, Marie, with her big mouth, would publicly declare how she thought her husband which would make such a better emperor than Alexander III. One time, actually, when Alexander and his entire family were very almost tragically killed in, like, a train derailment. It wasn't an assassination attempt. The train just went off the rails. She apparently commented, we will never have such a chance again, which, oh! Marie! There were children on that train! Why the fuck would you say that? Wow, Marie. Hurtful. Very hurt. Why would you- That's so mean. We can't be 100% sure that she said that, but there were rumors going around that she did say that, and honestly, it totally sounds like her. Anyway, another point of contention was just how good of a host Marie was, because she was low-key upstaging the fuck out of Empress Dagmar with her parties and her separate mini-court at the Vladimir Palace. She would organize balls and masquerades and make sure that every single one of the women who served her looked good and dressed well, and many people either envied her for this or fucking loved her for it. She was also addicted to gambling and insisted on having uh, roulette tables at all of her parties. Nice. 
However, uh, shockingly, she never seemed to have, like, any bad finances. Like, you usually find people who are, like, obsessed with gambling, like, uh, having really bad, like, luck balancing checkbooks. But, like, Marie never had money problems, so, like, good for her. Um, Marie also became involved with charities such as the Imperial Women's Patriotic Society. She and her husband were also honorary members of several charities. Uh, now, when her brother-in-law died in 1894 and was succeeded by his son, Nicholas II, uh, Marie's relationship with the imperial family didn't get any better. In fact, I kind of think it was worse. Um, as I mentioned in my Alexandra Fyodorovna Fe- episode, our girl Alex was super shy, which in her shyness, people perceived her as like snooty and like mean. And that made her pretty unpopular as Empress of Russia. Now, many people unfairly compare Marie and Alex due to the fact that they were both German-born princesses, but they could not have been more different people, which, you know, pitted them against each other in a really negative way. It also didn't help that uh, Marie stayed ambitious even when Nicholas II was on the throne and tried to take advantage of her nephew's unstable succession. Now, when Nikki and Alex only had girls and no boys to succeed, and Marie's uh, sons and her husband were technically next in line, technically, since uh, Nikki's uh, brother had no kids, she proposed a marriage between one of her younger sons, Boris, and Nikki's oldest daughter, Olga, but Alex straight up refused. Uh, When Nikki and Alex finally did have their son and needed to pick a member of the family to be his regent if he became emperor too young, Marie's son, Cyril, was the most senior person in line for that position. Uh, But in like a snub, Nikki decided to nominate his wife and his oldest daughter, Olga, as regents, which pissed Marie the fuck off because her son was first in line for that position. Anyway. Safe to say, for most of the late 1800s into the 1900s, Marie just could not get along with the main royal family because she was just too fucking proud to back down. She was like, where's the respect that I deserve? Now, the relationship uh, between her, Nikki, and Alex finally broke down for good when Marie's eldest son, uh, well, now eldest son, Alexander's dead, uh, Cyril married a divorcee, Victoria Melita of Saxe-Coburg and Gotha, who was also his first cousin. Ew. Uh, Nicholas was against the match and refused to sanction it, uh, so Cyril resigned from all his military commissions and he was banished from Rafa- Russia. Did I just say Rafa? I did. Russia. Um, from then on, Vladimir and Marie also spent, uh, more of their time abroad, basically trying to avoid the main Russian royal family as much as possible and just, like, hanging out with their son, because, like, they were fine with it. Like, the, the whole reason him- marrying one a divorcee was uh scandalous was because in the russian orthodox church i believe it's like super like illegal to marry your first cousin which is why it was like so upsetting even more the fact that she was a divorcee him them being first cousins was more of a big deal than her being previously married anyway during this time abroad the couple stayed in paris which allowed marie easy access to some of her grandchildren from her daughter elena uh, Marie was a very doting grandmother. At least once a year, her daughter Elena would bring up her children to visit Marie. Now, Marie's favorite grandchild, she 100% had a favorite, was Princess Mariana of Greece and Denmark. Now, Mariel Buchanan, a friend of Marie's, heard her say of her granddaughter, Marie is the cleverest one. Sorry, Marina is the cleverest one. Marina has the sweetest nature, and Marina is the most affectionate. 
Now, Marie gave her granddaughters dresses, dolls, prams, bicycles, uh, a pony, and a carriage. Uh, jewelry suitable for their ages, uh, such as silver muff chains, watches, strings of pearls and diamonds, and turquoise pendants. I wish my grandma would give me jewelry. <laughs> Uh, now, she despised Kate Fox, who was actually a nurse to Elena's children, because Kate was kind of a bitch and spanked all the grandkids. And Marie was, like, not that kind of parent. She didn't believe that, like, you know, like, physical punishment was how you punish children. And she complained uh, to Elena a lot that that dreadful woman knocks them about. Now, Marie tried over a dozen times to get Kate Fox fired, but it never really worked, because I just don't think Elena was, like, listening. Uh, now, during the first Balkan War, Elena sent her children to uh, Paris to stay with Marie. Marie took her grandchildren out for drives uh, in the Bois de, Bois de Boulogne <laughs> and loved showing those kids off to her French friends. Uh, she liked taking the puppet shows and, you know, of course, drowning those kids in toys and presents and chic new dresses. You know, all in all, Marie, A-plus fucking grandmother. Love that about her. Now. On the 17th of February, 1909, Marie's husband died of a cerebral endoma at Vladimir Palace. Now, much like Queen Victoria, Marie was deeply, deeply in love with her husband and chose to wear black mourning clothes for the rest of her life. Now, good news, her son Cyril was let, let back into Russia for the funeral, and shockingly, Marie and her sister-in-law Dagmar bonded over their shared grief and the loss of their husbands, which I think is really sweet that they, like, finally found, like some fucking common ground and weren't fucking yelling at each other anymore. Now, despite the fact that Marie was born a German princess, she was a firm supporter of Russia in the First World War uh, and denounced the German monarchy. Now, Marie supervised many projects for the Russian army. During the First World War, she oversaw hospital trains for troops. She developed a charity to give complete outfits and money to disabled Russian soldiers who were sent home. And with permission from Emperor Nicholas, she ran the charity with state money as well as using her own money. Uh, as we well know, the war ended up going to shit because of Nikki and Alex's poor leadership causing the Russian Revolution, which, you know, killed all the main Romanov family members and also some, you know, side characters in the Russian royal family. Now, on the 15th of March, 1917, Nicholas abdicated the throne. He nominated his younger brother, Michael, to succeed him, but Michael declined, and the Romanov dynasty officially came to an end. Now, next in line to the defunct throne was Marie's son, Cyril. Uh, Marie was put under house arrest in December of 1917 while she uh, was in Vladimir Palace, and her two younger sons and one of her grandchildren were with her. Now, Marie refused to leave for most of the revolution as she uh, still had hope that her son Cyril might become emperor if they could win the throne back. And she thought it was just completely below of her to, like, sorry, below her to abandon Russia until uh, the general of the White Army, Army had to force her hand. On the 31st of December 1919, Marie became one of the last Romanovs to escape from Russia when she got on a boat headed for Italy. Now, while fleeing, she ran into one of Nikki's sisters, who was uh, also named Olga, Olga uh, who had this to say about the last time she saw Marie. And I think it kind of sums her up in a lot of ways. Here's what Olga said. 
I was amazed that she had brought, arrived in the city on her own train, accompanied by the retinue, and remained a grand duchess to her fingertips. There was never a particularly loving relationship between Aunt Metchen and our family, but I felt proud for her. Despite the danger and hardship, she firmly adhered to the traditions of the past era of splendor and glory. Now, Marie briefly stayed in Italy after her escape from Russia and then went to Cannes in France, but as her health failed her, she decided she wanted to be with her daughter, Lena, who was in Switzerland in exile. Marie died on the 6th of September, 1920, at the Hotel La Souveraine, as the last Romanov to escape Russia and the first to die in exile. Now, before we get into legacy, let's talk a bit about Marie's children and what they did. Now, Marie's oldest son, Cyril, had a distinguished naval career, and he and his descendants still claim the Russian throne, uh, such as his granddaughter, Grand Duchess Maria Vladimirovna of Russia. Uh, Marie's son, Boris, had a good military career, too, but was also a notorious playboy who liked to drink and gamble his way across Europe, which, you know, it shouldn't be shocking to us. His parents were no different. They just had, like, a little more control on it, you know? Uh, Boris married one of his mistresses, and uh, he actually died as both he and his wife were uh, trying to flee Nazi-occupied Paris in 1943. Uh, Marie's son, André, who was probably her favorite, also served in the military, but never really did anything overly important other than, uh, like, marrying a princess. Uh, after that princess died, he also married his longtime mistress and had a son with her. Um, he and his wife actually opened a ballet school in Paris, and he died in 1956 as the longest-lived Grand Duke from the Revolutionary Era at 77 years old. Go André! Now, Marie's daughter, Elena, like her mother, uh, thought very highly of herself, and when she married into the Greek royal family, she, uh, annoyed a lot of people with her, you know, highbrow and, like, thinking of herself. Uh, she moved around a lot with her children and her husband, but she eventually died in Greece in 1957. Uh, her children, such as Princess Mariana, married into important monarchies, such as the British and Yugoslavian royal families. Okay, kids, getting into legacy. Now, I'm not gonna lie, there are a lot of things not to like about Marie. She was snobby, ambitious, basically always being the problem in the family. Marie was basically the definition of, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> you know, she's like that one dramatic aunt that you just, like, can't invite to family gatherings, but just, like, shows up anyway. However, she was still fashionable, iconic, caring, and as her uh, niece said, a grand duchess to her fingertips. And that's what I like most about her. All in all, no matter, no matter the drama she created, she deeply cared about her children and family and her adoptive country of Russia to the very end of her life. And thank you guys so much for joining me, in the, me on this episode. I will see you guys in uh, three weeks, actually, not two weeks, with a brand new episode. I hope you guys had fun. Bye! Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.